One of the things I love about this show in the five years, we've gained a mythology. We did, we have? Yeah. You gained a mythology? I'm a myth? We're both myths. Stuff like uh, the fact that... Well, you have to see why you would be a myth. <laughs> the fact that like there are people who refer to who the beautiful one now. Yeah. Who yeah. talk about how you can love your characters, but you can't and love your characters. We all feel better. We all feel better in the dark. I'm gonna drop this one time for your mind right now. Tommy D on the mic, best listen up now. Better in the dark is taking place right now. But this ain't a normal show, this is point five now. Yeah, I said it, show's a little shorter. But they give you content in a timely order. So take notes of everything they mentioning. Better in the dark, point five, get the listening. Hyphen, what it is right now. Thomas, what it is right now. Derek, what it is right now. Better in the dark, what it is right now. <laughs> and until we get back in touch with you. Go watch that movie. Right, Devin? Go watch that movie. <laughs> Marvel Studios just called me. They want me to direct Ant-Man. Go ahead and take it. Okay, okay, cool. Oh, wait, no, they just decided they didn't want that. Why not? I don't know. Well, is it something that you think I should know about? I don't know. Or maybe is it a business decision that you should perhaps keep to yourself? Or maybe it's just that they wanted to go a different route than I did. Which is entirely in their right, because it's their property. Yeah. They can decide what they want to do with it. Much like what happened with Edgar Wright. Exactly what happened with Edgar Wright. You don't hire Edgar Wright and expect a grim, serious superhero movie. Right. Although we don't know if that's what they wanted. It's Ant-Man, for goodness sake. And that's the whole point. We don't know. It's not our business to know. And that is the way that my good co-host, Thomas DJ, and my dear, dear friend, Derek Ferguson, segue into this point five episode. As those of you listening know, the internet exploded. Yes, it Literally went nuclear when it was revealed a couple of weeks ago. As we're recording this, we're recording this on June 25th, for those of you who like to keep track of such things. And a couple of weeks ago, the internet exploded with the news that director Edgar Wright, right. who, to my understanding, had been working on Ant-Man for Since eight, 2006. For eight years. That he abruptly and suddenly was left. removed from the project. He either was removed or left. I don't know. What did you hear? I heard he was removed. I heard he left. The bottom line is, he is not attached to Ant-Man anymore. And, of course, the internet went crazy with unfounded speculations and right. rumors from people who were screaming that Marvel was not allowing Edgar Wright his creative vision, whatever that means. And this was going to be the downfall of Marvel superhero movies because apparently they just wanted directors to turn out cookie-cutter movies and they weren't interested in individual visions, which... To me, sounds kind of, I don't know. Iffy. Well, well especially you look at you look I'm gonna at Winter be, Soldier. I'm going to put a little bit more yeah. assholery. <laughs> you look at what happened with Winter Soldier, which is a very distinctive film, and you go, uh, no, I don't think Cookie Cutter is what they're looking for. You look at Thor, directed yeah. by Kenneth Branagh, right. all, who was the last person in the world that you would ever think would direct a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, well, Cookie Cutter, no, I don't think so. Although this is what I do think is going on. Marvel Studios is looking towards newer people rather than already established directors. I think that the James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy would be the last one done by a fairly well-known director. I think that they were heartened by what happened with Winter Soldier, 
which was an excellent movie. Both the Captain America movies have been yeah. absolutely outstanding, and this one was completely off the chart. And it was directed by two guys who did community stuff. Yeah! And I think maybe they said, hey, we can hire quality people who just haven't had that outlet yet, and let Josh Whedon do his Avengers stuff, and that'll be fine. I think that's what's going on here. And let's be honest, if you spent over six years developing a project, maybe your heart isn't in it. Yeah. And this is in no way us saying Edgar Wright sucks. I have absolute admiration for the man. I'm not saying Edgar Wright sucks. What I'm saying is, is that I am sick and absolutely tired of the knee-jerk reaction that happens when something like this is announced. Oh, Marvel should have gave Edgar Wright whatever he wanted. Well, maybe they didn't. Maybe right. he didn't want to take it. Maybe the man himself was just tired of it. He didn't want to do it. I get so sick and tired of these. Think about it this way. In the eight years. Yeah. It's been eight years. It's been eight been years. been developing this. He has made two other movies. So you figure the man was struggling with how to transfer this character to screen. I get so tired of people who insist that they need to know every detail of these agreements that go on between Marvel mm -hmm. and their creative people. No, you don't need to know. Because it's none of your goddamn business. It's a business arrangement between Marvel mm -hmm. and the creative talent. Right. And that's where it should stay at. You are not entitled to know what goes on. The only thing you're entitled to do is go to the box office, pay right. your money and see the movie. For those of you who don't like what I had to say, you fully know what you can do. I don't care anymore. I'm sick of this shit. I've heard it from people that have emailed me and messaged me and said, you don't know what you're talking about. And we should know what happened with Marvel Edgar Wright. And they're not allowing him his creative freedom. How do you know should what... we know what happened between Sam Raimi and Sony? Thank you. Part of this is, I think, because the public now has unlimited access through Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and Kick. There's an expectation. There's that an they expectation. Should, yeah. That they should know what happened every step of the way. Hell, I follow Edgar Wright on Twitter. When he's ready to talk, he'll talk. Exactly. And to bring it down to a personal level, then 90% of what goes on behind the scenes here better in the drawing. You guys don't know. And quite frankly, you'll never know because it's none of your business. Right. It's stuff that goes on between me, Tom, Kalen, Kelly, and the rest of our better in the drawing team right. that is supposed to stay with us. It's not meant for you to know. You're not supposed to know. And if you think you're supposed to know, then I am here to completely give you a 180 on that type of thinking. Mm -hmm. No, you don't. You don't know, now you know. Yes. Now, having got that off my chest, I do think it is interesting situation that is going on with Ant-Man because it's put a relatively minor character right in the forefront. Who of knew that there were all these Ant-Man Ant fans? Yeah, who knew? All of a sudden, everybody's talking about how Ant-Man is such an integral character. Such a minor figure. And these are the same people who a year ago talked about, well, Hank Pym's a wife beater. He doesn't yeah. deserve his own movie. And the thing is, of course, is that we already have a movie coming out with a whole slew of obscure characters in Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. A movie that you have expressed to me in private conversations your trepidations about. Now, keep in mind, James Gunn wrote the Dawn of the Dead remake, which I like very much. I'm not so fond of his work as a director. I think that there were some serious miscasts, because I think that's another problem now, is that you'll notice the post-Avengers films, they've been going for lesser lights. They're still casting very well. The guy who played the Falcon. 
Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie was amazing. You get no argument no. from me on that thing. I you mean, know. Anthony Mackie was absolutely amazing as the Falcon. The Falcon. Sam Wilson. And he had my favorite action sequence of all, where he's out running the guns. On yeah, the- yeah. And also, he had the best introduction, where Steve Rogers keeps laughing. Yeah. Oh, you left. Oh, you yes. left. And finally, he just said, oh, man, come on. Just stop it already. And the great thing about is that they let that friendship develop organically. Yeah. That was such a great Because thing. they bonded first as soldiers. Yeah. Of course, he knew who he was. Well, you're Steve Rogers. You're Captain right. America. And that's one thing I like about the cinematic Marvel Universe is that everybody knows Steve mm-hmm. Rogers' Captain. We don't get that whole secret identity BS because everybody knows, which actually was in the Marvel comics. Everybody right. pretty much knew Steve Rogers' and Captain you America. Had on one side, Sam Wilson, who was like a brother in arms. On the yeah. other side, you had Natasha Romanoff, right. who was kind of like Cap's wisecracking younger sister. But they also served the purpose in that they were the angel and devil yeah. because Sam represented the traditional values he had as a soldier yeah. because Sam held those same values too, which is why they bonded. Exactly. Natasha represented the new world, the one of the mm-hmm. shadowy... Well, Steve, we do things in the shadows. Steve Rogers in the middle say, why? Why do we have to do things and in the shadows? And you'll notice that while he's doing the shadow ops thing... He's wearing the uniform he wore when he was Steve Rogers, Super yeah. Patriot. And when he decides to do his own thing, he wears the And go into the final America. mission where he takes yeah. down S.H.I.E.L.D., he's wearing his Captain America. Exactly. Yeah, when I saw that, when he showed up in the church, yeah. everybody was, yeah! Because they said, oh, Captain America is back. Well, I yeah. will tell you... And he's going to clean house, and he's going to make sure... Home of the Brave. Yes. Pray to God that he will save the Home of the Brave. You know what I loved about that film? And this is something I love about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that each film is its own flavor. This was a 1970s political conspiracy thriller. Down to it casting Robert Redford. Yeah. And there was also some fan service, but it was a very subtle fan service. Here's Armin Zola the way you wanted him. Has yeah, a, a yeah. monitor. Oh, man, that, that was an absolutely brilliant sequence. With yes. them going down to the old bunker mm-hmm. and the old-style computers. Captain America, the Winter Soldier, to me, is... And you know me, I'm a Thor fan. Mm-hmm. But it was I, definitely better than The Dark World. Yeah, it was better than The Dark World. Which was more yeah. of a pilot for the Loki TV series. The Dark World was good. I'm not yeah. going to diss my man Thor, but if you... Ask me right now what my favorite Marvel movie is. I would say The Avengers is always going to be number yeah. one. But Captain America the Winter Soldier, damn near, yeah, it's number two. That's how it displaced Thor for me. I will tell you, though, what is the moment that got me standing up and applauding. What? I think you know which one. Which one? Tell Baytrock. me. Oh, yeah, Baytrock. Baytrock, our, our my man. favorite, yeah. char- oh, our man, favorite characters in the Marvel Universe. And they got him wearing the purple and orange shirt. People are complaining. Well, he didn't actually leap. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He was leaping all over and the place. Why doesn't he speak in a comical French accent? Because it doesn't work in real life. And I've been engaged in an argument with yeah. people about the Nolan Batman movies, which the more I watch them, the more I realize how they don't make a lick of sense. Right. Whereas, Welcome to my world. Word. I can keep watching the Marvel movies over and over mm-hmm. again because everything, bang, bang, right. bang, hangs together. It, it makes sense. And the fact that they tied all this into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 
Yeah. I love that parallel storyline that they had going on where we saw what happened with Coulson and his crew while yeah. this all was going on. While it was going on, yeah. Which I've been telling people all along. They said, oh, well, I hate Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I said, well, give them time. It's right. going to come. And eventually it has. They address it head on. It's not yeah. like nothing ever changed. They're dealing with, for about four episodes, a S.H.I.E.L.D. that no longer exists. That no longer exists, right. That's that wonderful scene where Fury essentially passes the torch. Right. He says, well, you're directing now. You make the shield you want. You and want. you think that the world needs. Cole said, well, where are you going to be at? Fury said, well, you know me. I'm always going to be out Yeah. <laughs> and here we get to contrast it with our favorite whipping boy, Warner Brothers. Marvel still has a plan going on. I think that they've kind of altered the plan because they've now realized, thanks to Winter Soldier and thanks to the Dark World, that they can get the same sort of quality of product relying on newer directors. Let me tell you the problem with DC. DC is so locked into this thing, they need to stop. And yes, I'm talking to you people. Listen to the fanboys who insist that they want the superheroes dark and yeah. serious. Now, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, was serious. And it did get into some dark things. Mm. But at the end of the day, what happened? It was fun for us to watch. Right. And the good guys won. DC movies don't do that for me. I've seen Man of Steel maybe two and a half times, and I have no desire to watch it again. I do not want to see a Superman that loses. I do not want to see a dark Superman that is depressed. I simply don't want to see that, folks. I don't care how much y'all whine and scream about, well, here's a real-world Superman, and this is how Superman would be in the real world. I cannot use a real-world Superman. Mm -hmm. Give me Captain America the Winter Soldier. Give me Thor. Give me Iron Man. They work in the real world, but these are heroes. At the end of the day. And they're fun to watch, and they're what I want to see. fun to watch. That's the important... And it looks like Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be fun to watch. Where they're letting their freak flag fly. 100% in this. They're not even making any sort of pretense that this is a serious film. And I think that that's why it's going to succeed. Because right from the start, they're presenting it as a goofy space opera. Yeah. Which I think is brilliant. Instead of presenting it as this deep, dark, super... They are here to save the galaxy. They embrace the fact it's ridiculous that they call themselves Guardians of the yeah. Galaxy. What do they call themselves? Guardians of the well, what asshole? Look like yes. a bunch of assholes. They're embracing that, and I think that's going to bring in a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, a lot of people is just going to be a fun time. There are some problems I have with the casting. Mm-hmm. I would have preferred a woman who was taller and more curvy. Gina Carano. As, well, Gina Carano's kind of short, so I wouldn't... But I would have preferred her as Gamora, because that's yeah. what I've always seen. Ronda Rousey, as you and I discussed. Yeah. Ronda Rousey would have been a good choice if this had been made 10 to 15 years earlier. Zoe Bell. Gabrielle Reese. There. Yeah. yeah, Zoe Bell. There were a number of people out there who represented Gamora as she was depicted in the comics. She was supposed to be the most dangerous woman in the galaxy, mm. but she was always described as this kind of like va-va-va-voom, curvy... Right. Jim Starlin don't draw skinny yeah. women, bro. <laughs> you know as well. And, and, and having Zoe Saldana in there just doesn't Jim make Jim Starlin sense. does not draw skinny women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think that they're really going to score big on the fact that they are presenting this as a goofy space opera that, yeah, you come to the movies and have a good time. That's and I what think they're, they're also using this to kind of set up the outer space world more clearly. Oh, absolutely. I think it's very telling that Nebula, the granddaughter of Thanos, yeah. is the villain in here, played by, of course, our beloved Karen Gillan. And you've heard that Nathan uh, Philly, they just, yeah, yeah, they just revealed that he's going to be Richard Ryder, who I'm hoping that they will show in this movie that he's actually the head of the Nova Corps. Right. That he's been Nova. Glenn Close is playing 
playing the head of the Nova Corps. Really? I did not know she was in this movie. Yeah. Well, see, they're front-loading it with a lot of talent. The only problem... Which I is know, what they've done. Yeah. They front-loaded all of their movies with talent that you look at and say, if so-and-so is in that movie, yeah. it's got to be good because they wouldn't pick crap. Now, this leads us into something I want to ask you about. Ooh, ask away. Marvel has revealed no. a schedule that goes well into oh, the DC. 2000... And so is DC, and so is Sony, and so is Fox. Schedules for their superhero movies literally stretching out for decades. Are they putting the cart before the horse here? As far as DC yeah. schedule go? Boo-ha-ha-ha. Mm-hmm. Boo-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. I have zero confidence in anything Warner Brothers in DC is doing. And I'm sorry, folks. Yes, I have no confidence in any of their projects. The rise of justice. Whatsoever. They want the Avengers money without having the Avengers. Without doing the Avengers work. Although, let's give them one credit. They are planning a female superhero character long before Marvel is. Well, we've talked about this. Marvel really missed the bet. You say Avengers. I say as far back as Iron Man 2. Right after Iron Man 2, bam. You know what our next movie is going to be? Black Widow. Yeah, okay, they missed the boat twice. Why they didn't announce a Black Widow movie after Winter Soldier? Yeah! As far as I'm concerned, they should have Scarlett Johansson in every Marvel movie from now on. Scarlett Johansson, and she's always been a good actress. She was really damn good in Winter Soldier. She owns this character. They had scenes in there where she's having discussions with Steve Rogers about Mm -hmm. the work that they do. And I love that so much. They're not talking about romantic BS. They're talking about the work that they're doing. They're friends. That's the thing. They're they're workplace colleagues. And he's talking about the morality of what they do. And she's saying, well, Steve, it's not like this now. This is how it is. And this is what I always tell people. Look at a movie when the characters are having a conversation with each other instead of you. You know the dialogue is working. And that's what it is. These are characters that are talking to each other. They're not talking to us, the audience. And yet, they also have moments of levity with each other. Yep. There's obvious concern from Widow about Steve's love life. For a superhero movie, I put that there because most people say that. If you look at that movie, the relationship between Steve Rogers and Natasha Romanoff, is really one of the most mature adult relationships yeah. I've seen on screen in a long time. They're friends. They're colleagues. Right. They work together. They don't have time to fall in love and play kissy right. face. But still, there's a caring relationship there. And it shows that a man and woman can be friends and work together. It doesn't have to automatically we know they're going to hook up as soon as time. Mm-hmm. We know that's not going to happen. No, I agree with you. They should have put together a Black Widow movie. At some point. This whole thing with Joe Quesada and Kevin Feige saying, oh, there are no actresses out there who could do a Marvel heroine justice is bullshit. Of course it is. Well, if it is, then why did Heather be such a prominent character in the Iron Man and Avengers movie? Three films. She's been in three three films now. Well, you and I have always talked about the idea of Charlize Theron playing, well, Miz slash Captain Marvel, talking about where you go. Yeah. I think she would be amazing playing that character. The interesting thing about what Marvel is doing is, that, of course, they're expanding into different realms. They got the space opera thing with Guardians of the Galaxy. We got Doctor Strange. Doctor so. Strange coming up, which means that we're going to get into the mystical realms. They're beginning to explore the greater Marvel universe, which is good because they're not giving audiences the same old right. thing. So therefore, audience won't go say, "Okay, well, there's going to be another superhero movie." No, we've got superheroes in outer space. Right. Guardians of the Galaxy. We've got 
a mystical superhero, right. Doctor Strange. We come back to the whole idea that each film has its own flavor. Yeah. Iron Man 3 was the buddy movie. In fact, let's be more specific. It was the Shane Black buddy movie. Okay. Thor was kind of the, the mystical science fiction film. Winter Soldier, as we mentioned, is a political thriller. Then we're going to have pure space opera with Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. And beyond and beyond and beyond. I don't know what... Avengers 2 is going to be, but it's obviously going to, I think it will be very different from Avengers 1. And then we got supposedly Thanos coming in. in th- it's changing and evolving. We've seen S.H.I.E.L.D. has been destroyed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now, how is the new S.H.I.E.L.D. going to affect further Avengers movies? Because now we already know that in Avengers 3, it's going to be the Avengers going to step up and be the peacekeeping force for right. the world. It's always changing. It's not static. It's not the same old thing. Whereas... DC, Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers would be content to give us a Batman movie every five years, retelling the yeah. origin. DC is kind of like the caveman hitting the rock over and over and over again, yeah. uh, expecting a different outcome. And we all know what happens when you repeat the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. Boredom? Insanity. Oh, okay. DC seems to keep thinking if they hit the same note over and over again, eventually they're going to get it right. And they're not going to get it right because... Because they've always tried to make all of their superheroes start with Batman... Who is dark and grim mm-hmm. and gritty? We got no issue with that. But not Superman, not Green right. Lantern, not... Now, it's work now, with... are a reflection now, of... Now, it's work with Arrow. Well, here's a question, though. They've had success with Arrow. They had all four of their pilots picked up for the 2014-2015 season. Gotham, Constantine, yeah, yeah, and Flash. Maybe they're going about it the wrong way. Maybe they should stick to TV, because obviously they do TV good. Gosh, as a Constantine fan, I'm actually really, really excited about this series. And see, me, I'm not even a Constantine fan, but I'm saying, damn, I want to see that. The guy that they cast to play Constantine looks so... Okay, his accent is wrong, but other than that... But this shows me... They actively went out and found the guy that looked just like Constantine in the comic books. And, and of course, iZombie, I couldn't really care less about, but produced by Rob Thomas, who, of course, produced the beloved Veronica Mars. Yeah. So I'm willing to give that a a shot. And when are we going to see your Veronica Mars novel? Oh, okay, enough about Veronica Mars. No, I'm going to keep on with you until we see one from you, and other people want to see that. For those of you who don't know about this, you know about the program that, what is it, through Amazon? Amazon. Amazon through Amazon, yes. where you can write fan fiction novels about your favorite characters. They've got Veronica Mars. Yeah. They've got a few other A lot of people. the Valiant characters. Yeah, a lot of Valiant characters. Yeah, I'm just waiting for Star Trek to open up. And Veronica Mars. And it's not only been me, but a few other people have been saying, well, we know Tom's going to write a Veronica Mars novel. I keep telling you, it's much like you and Howard the Duck. Rob Thomas is writing all the Veronica Mars novels I need. No, I hear you, because there's some characters that, as much as I love them, like Howard the Duck. Right. Could never write Howard the Duck. I could Doc never get Savage. that. Doc Savage. I could never get that right. So, so, I understand. But I can dream. They just seem to have these unrealistic expectations, as does, I think, Sony and Fox. Sony's going to milk every little bit of juice out of that one little corner of the Marvel Universe they have control of. I have not yet seen Days of Future Past. Yesterday, mm-hmm. Patricia and I went to the movies. Because right. as you know, and as many of you know, Tuesday we get to go see movies for $7. You know what I went to see what? rather than see Days of Future Past? What? I went to see Kevin Hart in Think Like a Man oh, too. T-O-O, not T-W-O. Yeah. I would rather see that because I like First Class. I love, I first, love first Class. Class. That's my favorite of the X-Men films. From what I'm hearing from people, including you, Brian Singer kind of saw all of the attention 
that right. everybody was throwing on first class. And he wanted to jump on that bandwagon, I think. It's not even that. It's Brian Singer hitting the reset button because he didn't approve of what Matthew Vaughn was doing. What they should have did was say, we're going to sign you up for three more X-Men movies. Right. You did the X-Men in the 60s. But now, next the one is the 70s. The 80s. And the not Yeah. And you know how you can tell that it was Brian Singer having a little fit of pick? With two exceptions, all of the characters from First Class are shown off-screen as being murdered. Really? By Bolivar Trask. So all of the characters we loved are gone. Except for Beast. Well, Beast had to survive because Beast is in the Brian Singer films. Right. And Havoc, who has this weird five-second cameo. He and a bunch of other mutants are liberated by Mystique. Who is played by Jennifer Lawrence and has a very large part because, of course, she's played by Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, look, don't get me wrong. Jennifer Lawrence, naked in blue paint. Yeah, I'm kind of hey, cool. Listen, with. I'm down with that. It's, but it's it's but I, we got to the movies in time to see that, and my wife said, You don't want to see X Men? Hey, I'm really not feeling it. I said, What do you want to see? She said, Well, I want to see Kevin Hart. And I said, Yeah, okay, let's go see it. She said, You sure? No, really, Patricia's good about that. She said, I don't want to hear you later on saying you didn't say I said, nah, listen, don't worry. From what I've been hearing, Hell, I really, Mark, you know. Mark Busquette compared it to the J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Yeah. It's not a very good movie. Fox has this idea of alternating Fantastic Four, Wolverine, and X-Men movies from now until the, the end of the world. Sony has these ideas for all these spin-offs, And you know the reason Felicia Hardy was in Amazing Spider-Man 2 was because they want to do a Black Cat movie somewhere down the line. They already have a better movie in pre-production. Mm-hmm. Just like they have the Sinister Six in pre-production. And they were teasing that to all hell in ASM 2. I saw the Amazing Spider-Man in Florida. That was such a weird movie. The first one or the second one? The second one. The things that I liked about it, I really liked, and things I didn't like about it, I really didn't like. I'm not really much of a Spider-Man fan, but I do think that Andrew Garfield is a much better Peter Parker. Oh, God, yes. The main thing I really liked about this movie that I felt is the only movie that got Spider-Man right is the scene where he confronts Electro and he tries to talk Talk him him down down instead of just fighting And and we see a number of these situations in in ASM 2 where Spider-Man is... Showing empathy for people. Where he helps out the kid. The being helped kid. By the, he said, come on, I'm going to walk which you has that See, to me, that Spider-Man. Which has that payoff in the last scene. You're right, because the kid stands up to him. The thing I always liked about Spider-Man, he is a uniquely New York hero in the fact that since he's completely right. covered up, he could be anybody up under there. Mm-hmm. So he could be black, he could be white, he could right. be Hispanic, he could be Asian. Which is why... New Yorkers love him. Yeah. Because they can all claim him and say, well, Spider-Man is our hero. And that's why I love the scene with the kid. And I love that scene where instead of just jumping into the fight with yeah. him, he says, listen. And he remembers him. That's yeah. the other great thing. Yeah, he, I remember. You were Max, right? He said, let's talk. And he has talked him down yeah. until the police act like assholes. Right. And it's such a wonderful scene. And I hate that they got a lot of other things wrong. I hate that they got the rhino wrong. I hate that they got the relationship between Harry and Peter. Oh, I... I never felt that the way I felt I James Franco, dis- Toby McGuire. disgusted with that whole Harry Osborne thing. Where did that come from? Okay, they come in and have a five-minute scene in Brooklyn again, and we're supposed to believe they're friends for life. I never felt that. James Franco and, and Toby, Toby McGuire, McGuire yeah, felt. they click. The biggest strength, of course, for me is still Garfield and Emma Stone. Emma Stone, yeah. And that's out the window now. Emma Stone, well, Emma Stone does no wrong as far as I'm yeah. concerned. But 
what I didn't like was the intense convolution of the plot that they had to get her into that position. Yeah, and everything comes out of Oscorp. Apparently, New York is owned by Oscorp. Owned by Oscorp. Mind-boggling. You mean Oscorp has a power plant that yeah. runs New York, and then they had to go through that whole thing to get Gwen there and yeah. get her on the top of the building. It, it was really too much for me. It, it was a mess. Yeah, it was. And yeah. all this foreshadowing. Look at this. Here's the vulture's wings, and here's. Yeah, Dr. yeah. Octopus's arms. And I felt also there was too much of Jim Carrey's Riddler in Electron. Yeah. Remember that scene in his apartment? Yeah. It was like Jamie Foxx sat down the night before and said, okay, let me watch Batman forever. Okay, right. Jim Carrey. Okay, I'm going to do that. Yeah. That's the feeling I got from it. I agree yeah. with you on that. I agree yeah. with the X-Men thing is not as blatant because there's no real foreshadowing of what's coming next except there's a... Spoilers! an after credit scene of Apocalypse doing things while being worshipped. Because that's the next film, Apocalypse. And they're talking about they're going to connect the Fantastic Four with the X-Men franchise, probably through Franklin Richards. All I can say is this, and I'm speaking as a moviegoer. If you want to do a superhero movie, you will be more inclined to get my dollars. See, I want to go see Marvel movies because, yes, they may go into dark territories. Yeah. But they're fun to watch. The heroes win and there is nothing fun about watching any of the DC Warner Brothers movies. And I'm so tired of hearing people say, Well, I like the movies when they're dark. Is your life really that bad that you need to go see a movie that will make you feel Mm -hmm. even worse? But let's be honest, the DC Warner Brothers movies are a reflection of the new 52. Yes, okay. They're, they're basically the reflection of Dan DiDio's vision of the universe, which is very dark and very violent. Dan DiDio needs to go get help, because apparently this is a very depressed man who has problems with his relationships <laughs> and minorities. So he really needs to go stop trying to work out his issues in his right. work and work on his issues. Right. Really, because... That's what it comes off to me as. And I don't care who y'all go back and run and tell Dan this. Right. In my fiction, whether it be movies, and I don't mind darkness once in a while. I don't mind seeing heroes lose. Superheroes are supposed to be our modern mythology. And myths are supposed to elevate us and show us what we could be. Which is another reason why, at least in that aspect, ASM 2 got it right. Yes, it did. It's that Spider-Man is an inspirational figure. Exactly. See, Tobey Maguire was never an inspirational figure to me. When I saw Spider-Man 2, Mm -hmm. as much as I didn't like about the movie, that's the Spider-Man I can believe in. Right. Because he's an inspirational figure. And I like at the end of the movie, you show he's working with the police. The police throw him the bullhorn and he catches it. He says, okay, I'm here. And he says to the kid, Thanks for standing up for me, but I got this now. The kid fist bumps and says, yeah, go yeah. get a Spidey. The crowd's yeah. cheering, yeah, yeah, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. I'm and still trying to wrap my mind around the fact that Paul Giamatti is a supervillain in a Marvel oh, movie. You know, <laughs> they got the Rhino wrong, but it was funny seeing him in a superhero movie. That's what I like to see in Super... DC Warner Brothers hasn't got that yet. I cannot use a Superman that is dark and depressed. And doesn't want to use his powers. And he's got to be in secret. And oh, he's got the burden of being... No, I don't want to see this. This is why I've always told people, and a lot of people dislike me for this, but I don't care. I like Rise of the Silver Surfer. It's a fantastic book. They're celebrities. They're superheroes. They use their powers. They go on adventures. They have fun. 
this is what I want to see in a superhero movie. I do not want to go see a superhero movie and come out depressed and say, damn, life yeah. sucks. Even if you have I, mean, I shudder to think, because one of the things that DC has announced is they're doing a Flash Green Lantern crossover movie. I really don't want to see that. I don't want to see what a Nolan version of The Flash is going to be like. We are suffering, my friend, under the burden. And we've discussed this in mm-hmm. private, and I'm going to say it right out here. Of Frank Miller's Dark Knight, what, 30 years ago? Yeah. That, that introduced the grim and gritty superhero trend. We're still living with that, where people feel that the only way you can take superheroes seriously is that they have to be dark and serious and there's no fun in being a superhero right. and your life is going to be miserable and you got these powers right. you got to keep from your friends and oh man. but on the other hand why do you think that the most popular books that Marvel puts out these days are the Mark Waite Daredevil and the Hawkeye book that Matt Fraction is doing because they're fun exactly God bless him. Mark Wade did the thing that Carl Kazel couldn't do back in the 90s, which is bring Daredevil back to his roots as somebody who was a swashbuckler. That's why his name is Daredevil. Put on his costume has a safety valve. It's an escape from his normal, boring life he did. Exactly. He could go out and be this wise-cracking swashbuckler that jumped off rooftops. Spider-Man told wisecracks because he was trying to get away from the fact that he was scared. Yeah. Daredevil tells wisecracks because he's having fun. Fun. And then along comes Frank Miller and turns him into this pseudo-Christian allegory. And for literally 25 years, that's all we're getting. And now finally we've got a Daredevil that's back to the intentions that Stan Lee had. And don't get me wrong, people. I'm not saying that superheroes can't be treated seriously. Mm -hmm. But that's not all they are. My life is serious sometimes. There are times of comedy. There are times of black comedy. Let's see superhero movies that reflect... And I think that that's what the Marvel superhero movies do. That they hit all of those different emotional tones and shades. Whereas the DC superhero movies is just this one thing. Well, it's got to be dark. And that's it. Nobody's going to take it seriously otherwise. I've seen the Nolan... And the more I see them, the less I like them. Welcome to my world. I've been... Saying this for some time now. Batman makes absolutely no... Here's the thing. They went so out of their way to try to see how Batman can Mm -hmm. operate in the real world. They actually worked against themselves and proved how Batman cannot work in the real world. I think it's about time to... Let's see. We're on 43 minutes in the raw feeds. Just one more question. Go ahead, Dougie Fresh. I had just seen Batman Begins. What was Rachel Ghoul's plan? To destroy God? Why? Because he disapproved of it, I guess. But why? What was God doing to him? <laughs> he killed his dog. See what I mean? When you start looking at the motivations behind the villains, especially. Oh, yeah. And you know, if you're going to have a villain, make sure your villain's motivated. I'm going to call it right now. Dark Knight makes no sense. The Joker's plan makes no sense. None of the villain's plans in any of Nolan's movies make any sense. Bane, I have no idea what Bane was going to do. No, I never saw our Dark Knight Rise. But Trust the, me, the you Dark didn't Knight, miss anything. Look, either you're an agent of anarchy... Or you're a mastermind who has everything planned out. You can't be both. I liked that movie when I first saw it, but as I thought about it more and more, I when you want, it. I liked it too. But then I saw it the second time. I said, "Well, wait a minute." And then the third time, I said, "This makes no sense at all." Yeah, it doesn't. And the only thing that people will bring up to you to defend that movie is the Heath Ledger performance, which I'm sorry to me, and we've talked about this before. Right. It's a good performance, but he was not playing. 
the Joker. Joker. He, he was playing, playing a Joker. Joker. To me, the Oscar-winning performance in that movie is Aaron Eckhart yes, I, as Harvey Dent. Because the thing is, when you come down to it, this is a Two-Face movie. It's not a Batman movie or a Joker movie. The whole movie is about Batman and Joker warring for the soul of right. Harvey Dent. That's what the movie is really about. And that's the movie Nolan should have filmed, which he didn't. Right. He thought it was about Batman and Joker. No, it's not. It's about them fighting for this the This is song. why I say I love Nolan's work except for the Batman movies. Yeah, yeah. To review, briefly, DC, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. No, you don't. <laughs> I not. mean, you apparently have given... No, you don't. Movie executive Kermit... An office on your lot, you've made him into the CEO of Warner Brothers. Because you don't know what you're doing. You have no idea what you're doing. And Marvel, we should give a little more faith to Marvel, even though it does look like they're shifting to more lesser-known directors and writers. I have faith in Marvel based on their past record. So far, they have not made a movie, and I can't say this about a lot of movies. I can't say this about the James Bond movies. There's a lot of James Bond movies that have disappointed me. There are some Marvel movies I like more than others for one reason, but on the whole, they have not disappointed me. So, as far as Ant-Man goes, I'm willing to give them a pass on right. this. I say, okay, Edgar Wright. And what? we don't know if it's Edgar Wright or Marvel that pulled the plug. Exactly. A partnership that's gone this long and been this successful, you're going to expect that you're going right. to have something. You didn't think there wasn't any bumps along the way you didn't hear about? This is just the one that we heard about because mm-hmm. it was so public. So, I'm willing to give them a pass on this. And I'm going to look forward to it. Guardians of the Galaxy, day one, I'm there. Ant-Man, day one. Whoever directs it, I'm there. Which brings me up to another thing that I'm going to go into real quick before we finish. I had a discussion with a gentleman on Facebook that was saying that Edgar Wright is a visionary. He's a director and Marvel shouldn't get rid of him because he's the one that's going to make this movie. I said, no. What they're going to do is that they're going to hire somebody that's going to bring in the movie on time and on budget. And these are the people who are the backbone of Hollywood. The gentleman disagreed with me. He said, what about Kubrick and what about Lucas? And what? Well, these are guys that make one movie every five years. Kubrick was an obsessive who researched and researched and researched and researched again before he even put pen to paper. The backbone of Hollywood is made by people, and we were talking about this, guys like for instance, Ron Howard. Ron Howard is a guy who does not have a particular visual style or directorial style. But what he does, he turns out dependable product on time, under budget, and that turns a profit. Mm-hmm. 90% of directors in Hollywood, people don't understand this. That's what they do. Right. And I don't understand you people. You feel that they're artists. No, they're not. A lot of directors just get a project and say, okay, well, I'll do this. How much are you going to pay right. me? The anchor rights of the world are actually in the minority. Which is the point I'm trying yeah. to make. They are in the minority. They are with the Kubricks and the Lucas and the Spielbergs mm-hmm. and whatever other auteur you want to name. But they are not the ones that keep the industry going. It is the 90% of the directors that are consistently turning out product all the time. Which, whether you guys want to believe it or not, movies are product. Right. I love Brett Ratner. Right. Brett Ratner, guy who turns out more product than anybody else. Mm-hmm. I watched a documentary with him, and he said, when you go into a meeting with these guys, there's only two things they want to know. How much is it going to cost, and how much That's am I going to make? That's all. They, they're not interested in art. That's up to the director. It's up to making an art. But as far as the studio is concerned, how much do we got to pay? 
And how much are we going to get back? There you go. A lot of y'all out there don't want to understand this or you want to believe that it's art. It's finance. Right. Now, art is a byproduct and you should always strive for art. I'm not going to say you shouldn't strive for art. You and I, in our writing, we strive for art. Sometimes we don't. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't get to the point of right. art. We're lucky if it gets to be product sometimes. And sometimes it's the same way with movie making. You're lucky if it gets to be art. On that note, we are done. Shame on you, DC. Yes. Shame on you, Sony. And shame on you, Fox. Yes. Marvel slash Disney, you can continue on your way. Just be careful. And that's all we needed to say. But you got a lot more. Yes, you, you do. You got a couple of reviews. You got a couple of reviews. This is a good point five. You yes, got a couple of reviews. You got uh, what we thought about Captain America right. as a soldier. Yeah, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Amazing Spider-Man 2. A couple other things. But we're going to sign off for now. Thank you very much for listening to us. This has been Thomas DJ. And this has been Derek Ferguson. This has been your point five. Normal service will resume in a couple of weeks. Go watch that movie. Same here. This has been your Better in the Dark Point 5, featuring Thomas E.J. and Derek Ferguson. Normal service will return momentarily. If you'd like to comment on this or any other episode of the program, please send an email to betterinthedark at earth2.net. That's betterinthedark at earth-2.net. If you feel this stopgap is not sufficient, please visit the Better in the Dark Central site at www.betterinthedarksite.com. And don't forget to check out all the amazing music available at www.beehyphen.com. Better in the Dark is a Conspiracy Productions presentation in association with the Earth2.net community of podcasts. All material, copyright, Thomas E.J. and Derek Ferguson. Transmission ends in 3, 2, 1, 0.